part one. We're going to finish up with part two. We noted that uh, if you were, uh, you want to transform a person, take him or her out of her, out of, uh, you know, uh, out of their frustration by giving them a goal or giving them a purpose, a purpose worth dying for. People need something worth living for, but they also need something worth dying for. And uh, you yoke somebody up with their creator. You link them up with the heavenly father. You get them to go arm in arm with the creator of the universe. Uh, you take the weakest of vessels and you put them with the greatest. Then all of a sudden you found purpose. And um, that's exactly what we need. And so we found that this master plan for world evangelism is a simple plan. It's a plan in which we're going to teach others. It's a plan uh, to provide us with the tools we need to get the job done that God's called us to do. And so we said the master plan stated. We talked about the master plan stated. We said that God placed a method in the church so that any generation, no matter what age it is, could win and train enough workers in order to literally fulfill the Great Commission in their generation. And we noted that. Number two, we talked about the master plan supported. And we said that it was in harmony with man's purpose. And we, we, we realized along the way that <clears throat> God made us to prosper and God made us to, to produce and God made us to be a part of that or to participate in that process. And so that's something we're all to do. We're to be a part of it. And uh, that master plan is kind of part of our nature now because God made man to succeed. God never made man to fail. If you take mankind and you put them in a stalemate, they're going to give up and quit or go on to something else. Nobody likes to just stand still. We all want to be moving. We want to be going somewhere. Now, I know we're raising a generation, it seems, or at least there's somewhat of a, a movement, it seems, today in our culture where winning isn't important. But let me tell you something. Down deep in the heart of mankind, there is a God-given drive to succeed and win. That's all there is to it. <clears throat> we can go ahead and try to remove that out of people and tell them that it doesn't, they should never be competitive. They should never try to win. Let me tell you, that's not God's way. God always wins. And if God always wins, we ought to win. Now, some of you say, well, I don't like that, that. That doesn't sound right to me. That's because you've been buying into what the world teaches. <clears throat> you buy into that stuff probably where your kids play baseball and everybody gets a trophy no matter whether they win or lose. Oh, you're, you may even be buying into that stuff now where they don't even keep score anymore. Where you go bowling leagues and they don't even tell you what, who wins or what the score really is. Because, you know, we don't want to hurt the psyches of the kids that aren't as good as the others. Now, let me tell you something. Life could care less about how you feel. Nobody in the workforce cares if you win or lose. You better be prepared to fight it out when you get out there. You better be the best on the job or you won't have one. Now, listen, God didn't make you to lose. He didn't make me to lose. He didn't make a church to sink. He made us to soar. God puts it in the heart of a man and a woman to succeed and to go forward, to, to win. And listen, the, the gospel and winning the world to the... To, I mean, he gives us a plan to win the world to Christ. You have to win to make that happen. And why would God set us up for failure if it can't be done? Then God lied to us. God didn't lie to nobody, though. So the only reason it's not getting done is because we're failing. That ought to burn your hide. That ought to bother you like nobody's business. 
That ought to make you a little bit uncomfortable in your seat. That ought to make you say, what's wrong with me and what's wrong with my church if we can't win a city when we've been told to win the world? It should bother you. I guarantee if we're on a football field and you were playing for Team A and I'm on Team B, you're going to want to win no matter what. At least the guys around here will. I played with some of you. And listen, if you you can't get a little bit excited about the things of God and wanting to win and succeed and go forward and prosper, what's wrong with us? God wants us to win, and God is a winner. We, we, we may not, in our culture, like that kind of talk, but I'll guarantee you come Sunday night, nobody's going to care who loses. <clears throat> it's all going to be about who wins. Super Bowl. You really think the world could care about the losers? And you know what? God wants the church to win more than he wants Peyton Manning to win. Or the Seahawks to win. He wants us to win. He wants us to win. So he says, what's this supposed to be, motivational speaker or what? <clears throat> And if I could motivate people by just talking to them like that, I'd do it all day long. But there ought to be a burning desire. There is a burning desire in every person to succeed. Listen, you want your marriage to fail or win? Succeed. You say, well, I want to succeed. Well, who put that desire in your heart? God did. You want your children to succeed or fail? Well, succeed. Well, who put that in your heart? God did. We talk about, you want to win the world or lost? Well, you know, that's different. We can't get that done. What are you talking about? The same God that put those desires in your heart to win at every area of your personal life wants you to win in your spiritual life. That's why He really put them there to begin with. Because He gave us a job to do and He has a purpose that we're to fulfill. And it ought to break your heart every time you talk to somebody about the gospel and they don't accept Christ. You ought to go, man, we just lost one there. That ought to bother you. That ought to bother me. So well, it's not my problem, it's God's problem. It still ought to bother you. I want everybody I talk to get saved. The master plan stated. The master plan supported. Now let's start talking about the master plan spelled out. It contains four basic ingredients for spiritual growth. Four basic ingredients. Now before we go any further, I have a couple of announcements. The dinner series. I think there's only 45 people signed up for the dinner series. Come on now. We can do better than that. We can do better than that, okay? Let's, let's get the job done. Number two, uh, soul winning training. Saturday, February the 8th, 9.30. Tuesday, February the 11th, 6.30. Some people can't make it Saturday, but you can make it on the evening. Okay? All right? Every worker needs to get this done. Everybody in the Sunday school. Everybody in the bus ministry. Every worker in the church needs to be soul certified, okay? I'll be telling you more about that as we go along. But you really need to choose what you're going to do. It's Tuesday night or Saturday morning, okay? We really need you to work on that. You don't go to work and work in a factory without getting certified on some equipment. You don't jump on a tow motor unless you're tow motor certified. Well, you don't go out and start winning kids to Christ and we don't, we don't want to trust children to you or adults to you and not even have you certified. That's pretty irresponsible in leadership's part. We want to make sure you're ready, you're prepared. All right? The test will be like this. 
you'll do a written portion, and then you'll do a verbal portion, okay? That's how it works, right? You have to pass it, okay? And then you'll be soul certified. You'll get a little card. You'll carry it with you, just like the 20 Club, except this will have your picture on it. And it'll say soul certified. You have a big old ID card. Be awesome. You can take that down to the local store. No, <laughs> I'm not even going to start. <laughs> Some of you know what this is going to start doing. I'm not going to do it, okay? But you need to be soul certified. <clears throat> Listen, it's the most important business in the world. Every adult leader is going to be soul certified. Every Sunday school teacher, every bus captain, every bus worker, every Sunday school helper, anybody that deals with people needs to be soul certified. I'm not doing that because I want to be mean. I'm doing that because we're trying to build an army. I'm doing that because we have a purpose. And I want everybody in the church to be soul certified if I could. I wish I could twist arms. I wish I could, I wish I could you know, uh, tap you out, so to speak. I wouldn't be the one doing it. I'd pick a few of these guys in here to do it for me. But the fact is, is that we need to get serious about the business God's given us to do. And what's that business? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. And that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. We're talking about the master plan spelled out. Now that everybody's happy, loves me, and everybody's going, I agree with the preacher 100%. I'm behind him 100%. Let's get this done. Let's make it happen. I know you are. Say amen if you are. Amen. And if you didn't say it, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. I couldn't tell because I can't see past the first row. But anyway, the master plan spelled out. It contains four basic ingredients for spiritual growth. First of all, these men, these women in the early church were humbled before God. They were humbled before God. Well, I'll tell you what. It's hard in our, our society to be humble. Do you, you, just recently, and I mentioned, I'm, I don't know if I mentioned it here or just to my family, but remember that guy after the ball game this last time? Um, um, uh, he played for the Seattle Seahawks. I, I didn't even see the game, the end of the game, but I, I heard, uh, I saw a bit on the news. This guy after the game, uh, he's a safety or a cornerback. Anyway, he, there's a receiver named Crabtree. He's a, pretty, he's a really good receiver, but he started calling him mediocre. He's mediocre. He started getting in his face. I'm the greatest. I'm the best. I'm this. I'm that. Boy, he was going off. I mean, he was yelling and screaming in the mic. He's going crazy. And I thought, that's not, it's not necessary. You know, if you're that good, everybody should know it. And he is very good. I'm not going to say he isn't. He's extremely good. But there's, there's, you know what lacks today in our culture is this humble spirit anymore. You know, it's, it's tough like that. I was listening to Marshawn Lynch today on, the, on the, 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 uh, uh, an interview. Marshawn Lynch, he's a running back for the Seattle Seahawks. They said, oh, we want to, you know, Marshawn, what about the game? He says, I ain't got nothing to say. He said, I got to say it on the field. Ain't no reason to talk about it. Simple. He said, we'll see where it goes. He says, well, we'll just do it on the field. If it ain't done on the field, then it doesn't do no good to talk about it. Listen, I, I like that attitude. You know, I wish more people had a more humble spirit in those regards. I know in my own life, how hard is it to be humble? It's a constant battle in our lives. To die to self, to crucify the flesh. Constant battle. Well, I want to believe we're somebodies. God says we're big nobodies without Him. But we want to be somebody all the time in somebody's eyes. And that's why we get so depressed and so discouraged so often. I don't fit in. Nobody loves me at the church. Nobody likes me like they like so-and-so. And, uh, what's the problem? You want to be somebody. It's your pride. you got to die to self. 
So he says, well, you ought to pat more people on the back. Yeah, maybe we should. We should try to pat people on the back, encourage people. I got a great note from my daughter today. Man, it made my day. Wonderful note. Just a simple, I love you. Looking forward to seeing you later. Man, I was like, yes, I'm somebody. But if she wouldn't have sent that, would have my life fell apart? I hope not. Down deep, I, I, I would like to think I deserve that, but the truth is I probably don't. I'm just saying, we've got to be careful. A humble spirit. They had a humility. How did they express their humility, though? How did the early church show this humility in this plan? In this, I mean, God's telling them, you've got to reach the world with the gospel. And yet they respond by being humble before God. They recognized that the task was just too great for them. It was too vast for them. Their enemies, their enemies were just too big, too great. The forces, their, their forces were just too small. There were just a small band of them. There was hardly anybody there. At the time it was given, there were only 11. And here they are being told to go out into the whole world and reach the world with the gospel. It was humanly impossible to do what the Lord was asking them to do. They had not one shred of hope in and of themselves. Impossible to obey the Savior as He commanded them. Impossible in their own strength. So they humbled themselves. You know what they did? They prayed. Two people tonight were at the prayer meeting. Three people. We're at their prayer meeting last time, this past Sunday night. Listen to me. You really think God's going to do anything for Community Baptist Temple if that's what we think about prayer? I understand Sunday night we got choir members in here, but we got people walking all through the halls, all over the place. Two, three in the prayer meetings before church. And I'm one of them all the time. So subtract me, you got one. And two. Folks, listen. That ain't going to get it done. You know what that says to God? You're not very humble. You guys, you don't need me. You say, well, I pray on my own. Well, you know how encouraged I would be if I saw you there? You know how encouraged that other person would have been tonight? You know how encouraged those two other people would have been? You say, I don't like this tonight. Something's wrong. You got a chip on your shoulder. No, I got the Lord on my back. I just want you to understand, this is serious business. We're talking about souls. This isn't about our building anymore. This isn't about moving our offices over here. Who cares? But there's people going to hell every day. That's why God put us here. Not so we can put banners on the wall and pretend to have church every week. We can look the best and we can act all like we're holy and everything else, but sing all the songs if we want. But the truth is, there's more to it than that. I think about Sue over there at her store over there. Everywhere, every time somebody's coming in, man, she's inviting somebody to church. She's passing out a track. She's putting a smile on her face and being a testimony for the Lord. And I think to myself, man, it's every day, 24-7. That's what we're supposed to be. And I don't mean to embarrass you, Sue, but I appreciate that testimony there. People have come to this church because of that testimony. God has used those basic, simple things. How's your smile at work? How's your testimony? Humbled, though. Humbled. Are we praying? Are we begging God to help us? In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. That means begging God, just begging God. We have 120 dedicated fasting members of the church at that point. 
praying and fasting members. In Acts chapter 1, verse 24, before they elected Matthias as an apostle, it says, and they prayed. Before they did that, they prayed. Well, I'm sure they could have taken all the prerequisites and listed them on a piece of paper and said, you got to meet this requirement and this requirement and this requirement and this requirement. How many guys in the church do we have that meet those requirements? Oh, well, we've got about 10 of them. All right, let's go ahead and interview them. Let's interview them. And the one that's best qualified will get the job. Nope, that's not what they did. They prayed. And God told them who to do, who to pick. When's the last time you stopped figuring it out and said, God, tell me? When have you done that lately? Instead of going out and buying the car and saying, how much can I spend? Okay, I can spend this much. I can do this. I can do that. And so therefore, I'm just able to make it. Let's do it. Instead, you said, Lord, if you want me to have a car, you make it clear and you either give it to me or you just knock me in the noggin. I want you to tell me that's it without a doubt. I don't even need to know the price because if you tell me that's the car, it'll be exactly what I need. Hey, when are we, we, we going to start praying like this? Where God speaks to us. So he says, that's nuts. That's crazy. You've got you to you be wise. You've got to count the cost. Oh, yeah, I know. But I'll guarantee if God tells you to buy something and he's really in it, it'll be there. You won't have to worry about the cost. The problem is we're trying to go out and do things before we get God. We're like, God, come on, get on board with me. What's, man, the early church said, we can't do this job. It's impossible for us. You're telling us what to do, and we can't do it. You know, isn't that what, the, what we do as a church? You sit there and we say things like, God, God's uh, given us the carousel. We say, we can't do it. Good, that means maybe God's in it finally. Maybe, well, we're getting scared, so we better run off. Well, don't you realize that's exactly what God, God's testing us? Listen, if it's so simple, everybody would be doing it. The fact is, yeah, we can figure it out. We can go get some kind of financial guru to come in here and tell us how to raise funds. I read about them all the time. I've had preachers call me and say, I had this guy in, man. He'll raise your ties up 20% if you just have him in. He's got this plan in place, and he'll do this and do that to raise money and all that. And I said, who cares? Who cares? So he gets the glory? So we can point to him and say, if it wasn't for him, we'd have never got the building? When God can speak to your heart and say, give above and beyond what you're capable and able, I'll just trust Him to do that. And whether or not you obey, that's your business. But I'm just saying this, we had better start humbling ourselves and understand, we can't do this job. We can't do it. Just like they understood. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, the apostles are conducting a daily prayer meeting at the temple. Here they are, the apostles conducting this daily prayer meeting now, it's at the ninth, it's the, at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. So now they're having this hour of prayer being the ninth hour. You've got to understand by this time there's over 3,000 converts. Well over 3,000. And they're growing daily. We've just had Acts 2.42 where it says, and they continued steadfastly, and ultimately it says, in prayers. So we know there were 3,000 already. There's even more than that now. And they're having this prayer meeting, getting together and praying. It's interesting in 424, it says, it, it teaches us they're so united in their cause. Listen to what it says here in 424. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. 
They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. It didn't say they lifted up their voices. It wasn't plural. They lifted up their voice as if they were one. That's what God's looking for, some unity here. He wants us to lift our voices one to God. That's why the morning, noon, and night. How you doing on that? You made some commitments. Your name's on a list over there. Are you consistent? Are you consistent? Are you consistent? Well, I miss sometimes. Let me ask you, how many meals have you missed? I could ask some other questions, too. I'm not going there, though. We're mixed company. The fact is, we meet our needs when we want our needs met. We eat our food. We drink our, our drinks. We take care of our business. We go to bed. And so, how many nights sleep have you lost? We don't miss that stuff. Why? Because we say it's a need. It's an absolute necessity. But we forget about prayer. How many breaths have you not taken lately? Well, none. Exactly. Because you need it for life. Does that not tell us how little we really depend on God in prayer? When we can do without it so often? I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. I mean, I'm listening. I, I, you know, I've been so convicted lately in my life. So many failures. I'm sick of failing. I want to do better at life. I want to be better for God. And I want you to come along with me. I want our church to, to do something, not that the mankind will look at us, not so we can go, oh, who's the pastor of that church? Nobody's ever known who I am. I made kind of a standing joke, you know, uh, everywhere we went, whether it was Brother Keith or whether it was Brother Daniel, whether it was uh, Brother Kavanaugh, everybody knows who these guys are. Nobody ever knew who I was. What church you go to? Who's your pastor? <laughs> I mean, they're like, uh, him right there, that guy right there. Oh, he's been here the whole time? <laughs> I didn't even know who he was. It's just the normal, it's just the way it is. I don't care. That's okay. Man, I want God to know me. The Lord knows them that are His. I want God to know me big time. I want to get on my knees at this altar and God go, <laughs> it's Mark again. Yeah, I knew you'd be there. I set my watch by you. They claim that... Um, uh, Lee Robertson was a guy like that. Literally, I've heard it said that you could set your your watch by his schedule. That that you could literally look out your window and you could see him cross the street the exact same time every day. He left his office for lunch every day at the exact same time and he ended up at the stoplight every day at the exact same time. You could set your watch by it. People say, that's no way to live life. Oh, I don't know. He only, what, saw 63,000 people saved in his ministry and over 40,000 baptized. I guess when he gets to heaven, God can tell him then how he messed up. I'm not going to tell him that, though. I'm just saying, man, he was scheduled. And, 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 you know, we need to be scheduled in our prayer lives. These guys were on it all the time. In Acts 6, 4, it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Prayer was first in the lives of the apostles. Why? Because they humbled themselves before God. And they humbled themselves because they recognized they could not get this job done as he had outlined and given it to them. Is there anybody in the church, and don't raise your hand, 
that honestly believes that we can accomplish what God's called us to do without him? None of us would say, sure, sure, we know that's true. You can't, you can't, you know, we would, we would say, well, there's no way we can get that job done without the Lord. There's no way. It's impossible. Well, the question then is, what proves that to God? You know, what says we can't do it without you, Lord? Prayer does. Prayer says that. And so it's so important that we understand this very simple principle. They humbled themselves before God. Number two, they were empowered by God. They knew they couldn't do it, but they also knew that who? God could. Isn't that a great thought? See, God can do all things, right? We know that's true. Do we really live like it, though? So often, I think we live defeated lives if we're not careful. We're discouraged. We're down. We feel helpless and hopeless. I know there are circumstances and situations in lives that really upset your, your world. That's true, and it does. It affects us in a very deep manner, and, and, and that's understandable. But how long do we allow Satan to keep us down? You know, we've got to be very careful with this because in the end, we've got to understand we have the power of God. We have Christ in us. They knew they couldn't do it. So what they do? They emptied themselves of self and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Some of you might know it by heart. Again, the Lord promised, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now again, they got saved, right? And the Holy Spirit came in and dwelt them. We understand that. Do you realize that you have the same Holy Spirit living in you that they did the day at Pentecost? The exact same Spirit. Now, the, the Holy Spirit chooses not to utilize tongues today, but you know what? You have the power to do it if He chose. You could do that. If that was the way God intended to work or chose to work, you could speak in tongues too. You could do as the apostles did there early on. You could do as those early 120 disciples did. You could do as the 3,000 did. You could heal people because you have the same Holy Spirit in you that did those manifested those works in Christ. God just chooses not to do that today. That's not how he functions nor how he operates. But the power is there. 120 had been praying for 10 days. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like that, he comes on them. And all of a sudden, 3,000 people are saved. Isn't that amazing? Don't you long for a day like that, a Sunday like that? I'll take a Saturday like that. <laughs> Any day during the week, that's all right. Peter was standing before his enemies. And they told him to stop preaching. You just knock it off, buster. And then they told him, listen, you better take charge of those people you're, that's following you too. Better tell them to stop preaching this resurrected Christ also. They didn't know what to do with Peter. But they did want to kill him though. Or they thought, well, at least if we can't kill him, then at least let's beat him. Maybe throw him in jail. What did Peter do? Well, of course we know what he did. He said, you know what, i got a family to worry about. I've got responsibilities. I mean, I just... I just bought a brand new house. 
be horrible if I got thrown in jail and I couldn't even pay my first payment. What would my testimony look like? So he just took off out of town and relaxed in the Bahamas. No, he didn't do that. He just kept preaching. He said, fine. <clears throat> you don't like that? Too bad. I got to obey God rather than men. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, though. That's how he could do it. You know, we get so afraid today. We're scared to death of people. We're scared to death of our culture, our society. Why? Because we're operating in our flesh. There's no boldness. Why? Because we're operating in ourselves, our flesh. The Bible tells us in Acts 4.31, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. <clears throat> Why? How? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how they could speak with boldness. That's why the Word of God rolled off their lips, even though it meant many of them were going to go off to prison or they'd be separated from their families and loved ones. <clears throat> because of the filling of the Holy Ghost, <clears throat> the empowering of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so these men, these women early on, were humbled before God. They were empowered of God. They were going for God. The third principle in this program of reaching the world or evangelizing the world with the gospel um, is that every individual is involved in the process. You know, it, it's nice to belong to a corporate entity. It's nice to be part of a group. And that, that is important and it's good. I mean, God left the church for that reason, to be an encouragement, to exhort and to lift us up. You know, to, to, to when we feel like slipping, maybe somebody comes along and says, here, hold on, give me your hand, I'll help you up. I, I understand that, and that's wonderful. However, when it comes to this area of, of reaching people with the gospel, we each have an individual responsibility. It's not enough to wait for the next guy or next gal to get the job done before we do. We have to say, God, what is it you called me to do? What is it I'm supposed to do as a believer? Not, 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 <clears throat> not what am I supposed to do, if I'm a Sunday school teacher, or a bus worker, or an adult leader, or a pastor. No. What am I supposed to do as a believer, a Christian? What's my responsibility? Well, one of those responsibilities, obviously, is to go for God. And it's wonderful to see things. I mean, I, I think of a, a man that brought his friend to, uh, from out of town. He came here and got saved on a Sunday he brought him. Listen, it went and got somebody, brought them in, they got saved. Now, I've, I've been trying to reach them, and, and I'm sure they've been working on them. But, but that's how it works. Everybody goes, and everybody gets, and everybody tries, because why? God's called us to do that. We're not perfect at it. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. But we've got to go. We know we can't do it. We're too weak. But God, with your help, we can do all things. So we go. Jesus commanded the members, ye shall be witnesses in Acts 1.8. They witnessed in the streets. On the day of Pentecost, of course, they were empowered. God gave them the gifts of tongues or these languages. They spoke in their own language and they were heard in the language of those that listened. It's an amazing thing. It's unlike today's so-called tongue movement. They, 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 as members, they went from house to house. 
Acts 2.46. The Bible tells us daily in the temple and in every house they, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That wasn't just the 11 apostles. There were thousands and thousands of people being saved. Literally, by the middle of Acts, you have over 50,000 people in the church of Jerusalem alone. And they're already, by chapter 8, being scattered abroad, taking the gospel everywhere. Hey, the apostles weren't even going everywhere. They were staying in Jerusalem. Therefore, they were just members of the church, reaching out, winning people. You imagine church members leaving Community Baptist Temple to begin works in churches? Or they just go, actually, because they're worried about being killed. And along the way, they're, they're fleeing for their lives and they're witnessing to, their, to, to people they're running into and meeting. And next thing you know, they're going, hey, preacher, can you give me a quick version of how to start a church in five easy steps? Because I've just led 30 people to Christ and they need somewhere to meet. That'd be okay with me. Are, you know, there's no churches where you're at? No, we just, the, the, the ministry of Christ just started, remember? We just fled Jerusalem. There's not even another church anywhere except in Jerusalem that's, that's the way you designed it. So what do we do? Well, guess what? Let me tell you how to do it. Church started springing up everywhere, all over the place. The church was... Sending people everywhere and everywhere they were, churches were springing up, at least the need for them. Souls were being saved everywhere. Little prayer meetings and probably little Bible studies everywhere. The apostles finally make their trip around and they're like, we need to organize this thing. (laughs) This is crazy. We got to organize it. And that's why the apostles later said we need to send elders everywhere and establish elders in all these places. Because there was all these converts but no preachers. And so they started sending elders, preachers out there and and organizing these souls that were trying to be trained and taught. They were scattered abroad. They were going everywhere. Everywhere for God. Finally, they were called of God. They were called of God. Again, these humble members prayed. They were empowered. And they went out witnessing to the lost everywhere they went. And the final ingredient here was that in God's master plan that was just that there was a lot of brave people, especially leaders, leaders. The leadership was brave. The leadership set the tone, the standard. The leadership said, it doesn't matter what it costs. The job has to get done. We've got to do it. Souls weigh in the balance. It's been said that everything rises and falls on leadership. It's a quote that at least was attributed to Lee Robertson. Whether or not he said it first, I don't know, but I've heard that my whole life, since I've been in the ministry at least. Everything rises and falls on leadership. We know that's pretty true in life, don't we? When you take a company that has a strong leader, the company does better than companies that have no leadership. You take a home, has a strong leader, does better than homes with no leadership. Take a marriage with a strong man. Strong man. Because he's supposed to be the leader. Does better than a couple without a strong leader. Just the way it is. It's God's design. It's the way God intended it. From the Garden of Eden, he intended that to be the case. 
God never expected a lady to have to run her home. God never expected a woman to have to raise the kids on her own. God never expected that. He nor did he design it. He expected men to be men and women to be women. Leadership, so important, so important. And it's important in the church. And so the apostles and those, those men of God began to step up. They were preaching boldly. People would bring them to services and they would proclaim the gospel again. The, the people that were saved were coming forward and professing Christ and those that were lost were being saved on the spot. God was doing a miraculous work in the lives of men and women. And it all began with leadership. Prayer is important. Going out to find and witness to the lost, important. However, it is unlikely that those elements in God's master plan will continue very long without the power and the example of strong pastoral leadership and preaching. Doesn't happen. Someone says, what's wrong with our churches? I'll tell you what's wrong with our churches. No leadership in the pulpit. Listen, I'm not trying to be mean or nasty. You know, how can churches succeed without leadership? Homes don't succeed without it. Companies don't succeed without it. Churches need strong leadership. It starts in the pulpit, and then it trickles down into the membership. We need leaders. I'm not talking about people to tell others what to do. I'm talking about people that do what they're supposed to do. I'm talking about examples of life, living, Going. We learn something very important. That this plan works in every church that implements it. It works today. If it's worked. <clears throat> the devil would have us believe that it's too hard today. It's impossible today. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'd much rather be living today than in Noah's day. I'd much rather be living today than in the Apostles' day, Paul, and being worried about losing my family from persecution or being thrown in jail or martyred during maybe even the uh, Dark Ages. I'm glad I live today. This is a much easier day than those. You say, but people's hearts are harder. Not than those days it isn't. And yet they, they had greater obstacles to overcome than we did. Well, we have drugs and this and that. Oh, they didn't have anything like that, did they? They had racks and things they threw you on, stretched your bones and your, your sinews and ripped every socket, you know, your joint out of socket. Man, I don't know about you, but I'd rather worry about staying away from some things than having to run away from some things. I just think that sometimes the devil has convinced us that we aren't more than conquerors, that we're already defeated. I mean, look at the television, what's on it. First of all, it might do us better not to watch as much of it, first of all. And listen to our leadership and the direction we're going. Well, maybe we don't need to listen so much. Yeah, we need to understand what's going on in our culture and our society. We need to be able to attack things from a biblical perspective and have a biblical worldview. I know that. 
Boy, if it's discouraging us and it's causing us to think that we cannot win this battle, then we are the losers in all of it. Because God intended us to win. And He intends for the church to win. He never expects a church to melt away to nothing. That happens because of flesh and pride. That happens because of laziness. That happens because of rebellion and disobedience. That's never God's way. Churches don't close because people are spiritual and serving God. Churches close because people have turned their back on the things that God says are most important. I'm not trying to, to, you know, we're not any better. Do you think that we have a snowball's chance in a hot room back there? Do you think that we are going to be the ones that overcome? Do you think we're the ones that can break the cycle? That we can just, you know, race into hell with squirt guns and think that it's going to just... No, it'll melt us like that. It'll destroy us. The devil's much more powerful than we are. We have no chance without God. Brother Bob and I was praying... Brother Bob, he started talking about, Lord, we, 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 we need you. We, we, we need you, Lord. And I said, Amen, brother. Boy, he's right. He's right on target. Right on target. We can't do it without you. Right on target, Brother Bob. He was right on target. If the whole church humbles themselves and really prays without ceasing, if every member empties themselves of self in the world and is filled with the Spirit, if every member would witness to the lost, if every pastor and every leader in every church would provide strong leadership and preach the gospel and stand as an example to people coming into the church, if these things would be carried out, victory is on the horizon. It's there. It's already been given to us. We've already been given the victory. We just have to claim it now. Who will you reach this week? Who will you talk to? Who will you hand a tract to? Who will you take the most precious gift you've ever been given and share it with this week? More important than teaching a Sunday school class to a group of little kids is taking that gospel out there where it's really needed. Probably those kids are already saved. People need to hear it. There is nothing more powerful than a man or woman standing before children and being able to say, kids, I just want you to know the gospel still works. Just this week, I had the privilege of taking the Bible and opening, just like I'm opening it to you, and sharing it with somebody, and they trusted Jesus, just like I'm asking you to do today. You want to talk about some authority in your life. That makes a difference. That'll change your passion. That'll change your position. It'll change your outlook. Boy, it'll change how it's received by them. God help us today to make up our minds to be winners. Not to lose at this game, but to win and do it God's way. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you just speak to our hearts. Again, Lord, we're... We're just humans. We're just flesh. Father, it is a constant battle in this life to live for you and to honor you with our life and our lips.
Lord, help us to really understand the gravity of the situation, see the need for to be totally given to this issue. I, I know, Lord, that we have responsibilities. We have to go to work. We can't jeopardize our jobs. We have to be honest with our employers. I mean, if they're paying us, we can't use that time to, to maybe witness. But, Lord, there's lunch times. There's breaks. There's relationships that begin that we can continue to work with and work on throughout the week even. Lord, help us, Father, just to be very aware of the needs of souls around us and understand that you gave us a mission and a job and you never intended us to fail at it. You always wanted us to succeed from the very beginning. And Lord, you put it in our heart to win. Father, at everything, but Lord, you put it in there really for the express purpose of winning the world with the gospel. We can't do it without you. May we pray, pray, pray like never before. May we seek your face. May we love you like you love us. Lord, we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed and every eye closed. The music's playing. I don't know what God spoke to your heart about. You know, maybe it was something totally different. That's okay. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. He certainly doesn't have to answer to me. I'm nobody. Maybe there's somebody you put on your heart you need to pray for. There's a friend at school or a family member. How dependent are we on God today? I know in my own life, I, I've been so guilty at times just neglecting prayer. Neglecting prayer because I felt I had so much I had to get done. And the problem is, is that it's me trying to do something without him. As we always say, how's that working for you? Well, it ain't working too good. It doesn't work good when we do that. Then he turns around and he lovingly speaks to us, convicts us, woos us and says, hey, you forgetting something? You forgetting somebody? And we go, wow, you're right, Lord, we're sorry. You only get out of the Christian life what you put in. It's just the reality of it. How much have you invested this week? here meeting for parents of teens going to RTTC immediately after the service the RTTC is the um, what's that Stacy 
talent contest, right. The regional teen talent contest. All right, so if you're young people involved in that, just meet. Where is that going to be? In the teen classroom right over here, right? Just um, uh, a meeting, and uh, we'll put a clock on her, and we'll get you out of there soon. I know he's not planning on keeping you long, okay? So if you could help us with that, parents. And again, let's be uh, busy about this thing. Remember, Tuesday, Tuesday the 11th, I believe it is, or Saturday the 8th, we all start our soul winning kickoff. Let's be excited about that. And like I say, uh, we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah. Tuesday the what? Yeah, I'm gonna. We're starting the 11th on that instead. I must have wrote it down wrong then. Right here. Yeah, I got it. Right. Yeah, that'll be the dinner. Right. That's all right. She's just trying to mess me up. <laughs> you can easily do it. It isn't hard. Okay. So anyway, yeah, the fourth and the sixth is the dinner. And then the 8th and the 11th for the soul winning, okay? All right, let's close in a word of prayer, and we'll dismiss tonight. Again, glad to have you with us this evening. And bring somebody with you next week, okay? Let them have to endure this, all right? Be good. Then you got somebody to share it with, amen? All right. Come on, let's go to the McDonald's and just cry in our Coke, all right? Something like that, cry in our Coke, okay? We went to dinner today, and my mom, she looked like she had a beer. She, she had one of them, you ever get a root beer that's in a dark bottle? They sent it, it was, what is it, what is it, the, the um, yeah, the Cracker Barrel. And they brought this root beer out to her, and she sits it down, and we're like. <laughs> and then she grabs it, and she covered the root up, and all it said was beer. No. <laughs> so anyway, watch what you're doing over there now. Be careful, all right? Watch what you're doing. Oh, it was funny. I'm sorry to be embarrassed. I'll get that. I'll get it for that. Father, we come to you, Lord. We thank you again for all you do for us. Lord, we are such a, such a blessed people. Thank you, Father, for the faithfulness of these members of Community Baptist. Lord, come out on a Wednesday night. Lord, uh, we just ask that you bless them. Lord, I, I don't, I didn't, my intention is not to try to scold anyone. I just want to motivate and move us. I know in my own life, Lord, I feel like I've let you down so often in this area. And Lord, as we move forward this year, the year of the soul, I, I just want to be more adept at it. I want to be better. I want to be more aware of people and souls and the needs. And I just pray that, Lord, as you speak to my heart, help me to convey this to others. And may, Father, that passion, your passion, well up in me. And may I be able to share that passion with others and they share their passion with others. And may it be your passion, ultimately, Lord, that people catch. We need you, Lord. We love you. And may this be a church that's known for being concerned about souls of men and women, boys and girls. Lord, we'll give you the glory for it. We'll praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.